Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's best books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 52 books per year and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each book. Today, I'm going to cover Jack Hinson's One Man War, A Civil War Sniper by Lieutenant Colonel Tom C. McKenney, United States Marine Corps. This is book 27 of 52 for my 2022 reading list. Well, this book read like a movie script. It is a true story of a Civil War sniper. Well, Jack Hinson is who the story is about, and he is a wealthy plantation owner near the Kentucky-Tennessee border. He is neutral. He, he does not want to get in to sides in the Civil War. Uh, even though he lives in the South, he, he wants to maintain that neutrality. He just wants to live his life and be on his farm. He's even friends with Union General Grant uh, to, to some degree. I mean, they, they have correspondence, and, um, and, but he gets pulled into the war when Union soldiers, in kind of a mistaken identity type thing, uh, kill two of Jack Hinson's sons. They are out on a hunt. And they get pulled in by the Union soldiers, shot, and then their bodies are mutilated. That causes Jack to lose his neutrality, obviously, and he goes all John Wick and seeks revenge. And he is a one-man revenge machine and ends up killing over 100 people with a sniper rifle. This is a custom-made 50 caliber rifle that he takes out uh he he, he's on bluffs and and he's overlooking a river and this this part of the river where the rapids are very strong and so anybody going against those rapids it you almost just at a standstill and so he's looking at these ships uh going up going going uh on the on the river and he he looks for for commanders and he he just takes them out with his his rifle and so it's a fascinating story. It's it's uh, one of revenge. It's one of um, deep loss, deep pain amidst the Civil War. And so you're 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 following one family in in the midst of this enormous war. This may sound familiar. Uh, a, lot, a lot of movie scripts are 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 like this. A lot of other stories, uh, for instance, the the Odyssey or Braveheart, the the Patriot, the Gladiator, uh, the Count of Monte Cristo, and and obviously John Wick. A lot, a lot of uh, you just can't kind of keep thinking of these stories when you're when you're reading this book. It was suggested by Joel Tomlin. He's the owner of Landmark Booksellers, and I'm business manager there, and so. This is a book that sells a lot, and it's a book that is recommended a lot. And it's also a book that after people have read it, they come back to our store, even if they live far away and they're back in town, they will come in the store and and tell Joel, the owner, they'll say, this is one of, or they'll even say, this is the best book I've ever read. And so when I heard that, my ears perked up and I I said, you know, I want to read this book. I want to see if it lives up to that to that hype of being the best book that that someone has has ever read. And I also want to learn more about this story because it it is a neat look into the South at the time. It's a neat look into one family during this war. And it's just a fascinating story in in in, uh, in the telling uh, in this book. 
So in this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit in, in this segment about the book and in the style of writing. In the second segment, I just want to go into some incredible details of the story, uh, go into some of the uncomfortable parts of the book and, and that sort of thing. And then in segment three, I, I will close out the episode as I do all the episodes by covering the one thing, uh, my one key takeaway from this book and, and the one thing that I'm still thinking about after having read it. So I did sneak this book in. I had another book on the list and, and I took it off in order to, uh, to put this one in just because I, I wanted to, to read it. I wanted to see if it lived up to that hype. So this, this book is a true story, but the, the details of Jack Hinson are few and far between in, in actual life. And so I, I, I was reading some comments about this book and, and some people were saying, you know, this should actually this should actually be listed as historical fiction. And it, as I was reading it, I was, I was kind of thinking something similar. There, there's just no way the author would know all the details of what he went into, like uh, what, he was, what he was eating and, and what he was thinking about and, and all these things. Like there's no journal from, from Jack, Jack Hinson. So is it true? Is it historical fiction? Uh, what's the balance there? And, and I love thinking about these kind of things because it goes into how a story is told. And, and that ends up being really important. It ends up being really important for, for me as a reader because I'm more apt to remember a book if it is a written in a certain way. And this is one of those books. Uh, for instance, every time that, that the author would talk about Jack Hinson lining up a shot— uh, he would say he would that Jack Hinson would took a take take a breath, a full breath, in and out, and then he'd take another breath in, a full breath in, and then breathe halfway out, and then make the shot. And he would say that every time before the shot. And so there's a lot going on there. One, as a, as the reader, you're, you're you you notice yourself doing that same breath uh, as. Jack Hinson would be doing. But then it also tells you like Jack Hinson is a man of habit. And before every shot he is he is doing this. This is a calculating man. This is this is not a man prone to wild emotions. Like he 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 is thinking these things through. And so you get that detail just by him saying before every shot doing this breath. And and you're kind of thinking like why why do you why does he keep saying this? But it it really it brings a lot of points home and then you you think about that when you think about this man, the breaths he took just before taking the shot. Uh, other parts of it, just how he prepared the so he would be in this almost like a cave where he would hide and it was it was almost impossible to scale this 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 hill where where he would set up in, in his his sniper nest. And so the uh, people are getting shot on these boats, but there's not like they could get off the boats and then just run up and, and, and find them. Like uh, it was well hidden and, and just, but the way it's described in the book and, and how he made his bed and, and the sounds, the smells, uh, you feel like you're there. And so there, there's the, there's one method of just tell, telling like the facts of a story. Like this is a true story. This is what happened. He shot people. He was a sniper. He shot a hundred people. This, uh, you, you could just kind of do those kind of details, or you could tell it like this. And I remember this more because I almost felt like I was there when I was reading it. 
And so it, I, I love that aspect. I love thinking about how, how, to, how to tell the stories. And so, yes, he, he, he may have taken some liberties in, in how he, he told the story, um, the, the facts that were there, the, the, what actually happened. Uh, I mean, we know the, the main parts of the story, but he filled in a lot of parts. So is that okay? Uh, does it enhance the story? Does it enhance the, the telling of the story? You, you know, you would have to be the judge uh, by reading the story yourself. But I, I, I loved just kind of thinking through that, and then having it, it having been almost a week after I finished it, just those vivid memories and those vivid thoughts of the book as I was reading it. Um, I, I think that is is a very powerful aspect of the story. And and look, the author did go to these places. Like he he was in the places where he was. He spoke to to people who uh, were descendants of him. And so he got as much information as possible. He was reading other books of the of the the battles and all that. Uh, so he got as close as you could, but it just it it it's it's fun to kind of think of of how the story could be told. So as far as book stats, this is a three hundred and forty eight page book. I read it between July first and sixth. It took me nine hours and twenty eight minutes total, and so that's about a minute thirty eight seconds per page. If if you haven't listened to any other episode, I I, I like covering that just so you have an idea of of how long it might take you to read the book. I am not a fast reader in any manner. Uh, I do not speed read or anything like that. So nine and a half hours is, is probably going to be a good gauge for, for how long it'll take you to read the book. So next segment, I'll get into more details of, of the story. And then in segment three, my one thing, my one key takeaway. If you think this book would be one that you'd be interested in reading, uh, I would love if you bought it from Landmark Booksellers. That's actually probably the best way that you can support this podcast. And so I'll, I'll have a link in the show notes. If you use the coupon code Books of Titans, uh, just all together, that will give you a discount on the order. And we can ship anywhere in the world. We can ship anywhere in the United States. Uh, so we'd love uh, we'd love if if you ordered the book from Landmark. Um, back to the book now. The there's an interesting point in this book. Uh, Jack Hinson ends up killing over 100 people with his sniper rifle. And it's for revenge. It's for his sons who were killed. And so there, there are a few people immediately involved in the killing of his sons. And he kills them first. So there's the commander of the group that that was responsible for killing his sons, and then there's the soldier who actually did the the killing and who uh, this this is gross, but they decapitated the sons and then they put the sons' heads on the fence posts of Jack Hinson's house. And so uh, his, the second person Jack Hinson killed was that soldier who who took the heads out of the bags and put them on the on the fence. But there was a third kill, and that was a kill that was not involved with his son. And that's really a turning point, and and as you're reading the book, you're thinking, that had to have been a turning point with Jack Hinson as well. Because everyone would understand the the two first kills, the, the kill of the commander and then the soldier. But the third kill passed a, another marker. 
And that was to kill somebody who was simply a Union soldier or commander. And he went on to kill many more after that. But that third kill was a shift. And he, he, did he need to do that? Uh, and it's just kind of one of those questions you have to ask yourself as you're reading this book. The two kills, you, you, those are understandable. The third through the 100 plus <laughs> what about those? So that that's uh, just kind of um, there. There are a lot of uncomfortable parts of this book. I'll, I'll get into a few more of those in in just a bit. But uh, that that was one of them. Um, there's an incredible part of this book where so so Jack Hinson he he did he had different uh, areas where he would take his shots from. But there was one in particular that um, that was just well hidden and he used it a lot. And so there was this ship going by, and, and usually Jack Hinson would just take out one officer and and then just stop. And and so this boat is going on the river, and it's kind of slows down in this the the rapids, and uh, he would take a shot, and then that would be it. And then the ship would kind of keep on and and go its way. But there was one ship where he just started taking out officers, and they were they were all on the deck, and he shoots one. And it's just kind of a shock, you know, first off, a man just kind of falls down on the boat and all of a sudden there's blood everywhere. The man who's shot is, you know, just shocked. The person talking to him is shocked and there's just kind of general shock as to what in the world just happened Uh, because the man falls before you hear the actual uh, gun shot. And so there, there, there's this confusion at first and, and most of the time he would just stop with one person. But on this one ship, he just kept picking off officers. And it got to the point where they raised a white flag of surrender because they assumed that there was a whole group of people firing on this boat and all of the officers were being taken out. And it actually stopped the battle. It was just... It's, the author says it's the first time that this had ever happened in, in history, that one man was responsible for causing an entire ship full of soldiers to raise a white flag of surrender. And Jack, the, the sniper, was so taken aback by this that, that he stopped firing. And he didn't show himself or anything, and, and the, the ship didn't know that it was just one man taking out all these officers. But this was a this was something that had never happened before. And he, he caused an entire ship to put up the white flag of surrender, uh, because he was just taking out the officers. The author also talks about the, in, in these situations, that it's very rare to have a lone guerrilla fighter like Jack Hinson. Uh, you'll have groups of guerrillas and, and he even gets into some of those details in, in the, for the civil war in, 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 in the South in this time. And, and it was really interesting. I mean, yes, you had the main armies battling each other, but you also had uh, a guy like Jack Hinson just taking law into his, his own hand. You had uh, other groups like um, Jack Hinson. One of his sons was head of a, a guerrilla group of, of people who would just go around and kind of cause mayhem. And, and they would they would uh, go against Union soldiers. But there were also other guerrilla groups who would just kind of take advantage of the whole situation, and they would just rape and pillage and, and go around. Uh, and not just not just people from the South, but uh, Union soldiers as well, or Union uh, or, or people from the North would, would kind of form these groups and do the same thing. 
And it was just really interesting to to read about that. Uh, I, w- I was at an event tonight for my daughter's school year coming up, and it was talking to to a man who who had two different stints in in, in Iraq uh, between 2005 and 2009, and and he was telling me just these different groups of Iraqis that he would meet and he would meet uh, a warlord and you just he's just kind of thinking you know what did what did this man do under Saddam like what was his role under Saddam now he's a warlord now he's he's kind of his own man and, and he he fights where he wants to fight and does what he wants to do uh, there there was also another Iraqi that they met with who he he would they knew he was fighting against United States soldiers, but they could never pin him down exactly. But this man would invite them over for tea. And they would have tea with this man knowing that he was also battling them as well. And so in, in, the, in this fog of war, it's not just uh, uh, one side against another. There, there's smaller groups within that. And, and it was just really interesting to read in this book about those different groups. But for how, for also to read about Jack Hinson and, and for the author to say, you know, this is very rare to just have one man take the law into his hands like this. And then just to get away with that much killing and to never get caught. And there are, there are parts where they, they talk about uh, what was sent to capture him. And, and so let me read that, uh, you know, during, they know there's a sniper in this area, but they can never find him. But here's what they came against with him. Eventually, elements of nine regiments would be sent against that one man and his deadly rifle. There would even be an amphibious task force made up of specially trained and equipped Marines and sailors sent against him. But that was in the future. End quote. So he had all these groups, you know, they they were trying to find him and trying to kill him, but they never, they never got him. He survived the war, but he suffered as well. Uh, He had 12 children and only five survived. Just an uh, incredible story in, in all of that. The rifle, uh, a, a man in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, actually owns this rifle of, of, um, of Jack Hinton. And, but after the war, Jack Hinton gave the rifle to Nathan Bedford Forrest. So I'm sure you've heard that name. But just kind of, again, just goes into this really interesting history of Jack Hinson and uh, his 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 one man war. Few things that a uh, few other things just uncomfortable in in reading the book, um, and, and interesting and, and uncomfortable and, and just you know for further thought. Um, Jack Hinson was a slave owner, and yet the. The children of Jack and the children of the slaves, they played together. They would have Christmas together. Jacks freed his slaves in 1862, so three years before the end of the war. Uh, the author wonders if he had gotten advance notice of, of perhaps, of uh, or, or other people have said maybe Jack Hinson got advance notice that, um, that Abraham Lincoln was about to do the Emancipation Proclamation at the beginning of, of 1863. Uh, the author didn't think that was likely, but just thought instead that um, seeing what was coming, Jack Hinson thought it'd be better for to free his slaves. Uh, if, if Union soldiers came to the area, they were more likely to let freed slaves uh, go than if, if, if they were still slaves on the, on the plantation. Uh, but 
as you go as you go into the story too, these these former slaves stick by Jack very closely, even after they're they're freed, and they help him in his battle, um, and they're with him through thick and thin. And so it just it's just very very interesting to see to see that part of it. Uh, so much is 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 talked about in this period of of being one side or the other, and and it's just kind of on the the far extremes of that. And so here you're reading about a man who who did not take sides until his sons were killed. He didn't want any part to do with this war, and. Yeah, there were just so many parts like that in the book where things are so much more nuanced than they're 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 spoken about, and you get you get a deep look into the South at that time, and and what would families be thinking of on the at the onset of the war? Uh, I've never read a book like this in in that sense of just kind of going into Southern culture. Uh, what would it have been like? What were what were families thinking at that time? Uh, so it, it was it was neat in that sense just to, to kind of dig deeper and to go into some of those nuances. So that'll conclude this section, and then in, in the next segment, I'll cover the one thing. Well, I finished this book over a week ago, and the thing that, that sticks in my mind is, is the story... And how Jack maintained his discipline. Uh, they killed his two sons. They mutilated the bodies. They de- decapitated, decapitated the two sons and then brought the heads back to the home. And so Jack and his wife come out on the porch. There's soldiers there. They take their sons. I mean, they had just seen their sons that morning. They had had breakfast the sons went out for a hunt, and now their sons come back, and it's just their heads. And then the soldier puts the heads on the fence post. I mean, this is fence post right in front of the house. They're on the porch. They're besides themselves with 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 grief and horror. And I mean, can can you even imagine being in that scenario? And it would be completely understandable if Jack had just ran after the soldiers and and tried to kill him right there or just lost his cool and and gone after the soldiers or gone gone after the commander commander um you know his wife is just screaming uh his children his other children are are weeping and he didn't do that i mean he would have been immediately shot so it was not wise, but it's understandable. If you were in that situation, it would be understandable. Or if you saw something, someone in that situation, it'd be understandable if they just went nuts and tried to kill whoever was right next to them immediately. But Jack didn't do that. He, he, he kept his cool. He went to his friend who he knew could make a rifle. And he ordered a rifle. He gave him exact specifications. He started walking around and looking for areas that could be good for um, being a sniper, uh, a good spot to, to shoot from. And he, he bid his time. He found out where those two soldiers who were involved with the killing of his sons, where they would be and where he could kill them. And he just went about in a very disciplined manner. 
And that's the thing I, I just can't get out of my head after reading this book, that someone would have that level of discipline. I know I would not. I, I, I know I would be that, that, that guy just going crazy if, if I, I, I can't even, I can't even imagine that scenario. And, and I, I just know that I, I would go crazy. And yet here's a man who, who doesn't go crazy, thinks things through, orders the rifle, does everything in this very disciplined manner and ends up killing over a hundred people. I, it's very, it's, it's hard to fathom that. And it's the thing that I can't stop thinking about. Uh, real quick, just, um, in, into the book, uh, the story's fascinating. I, the author did repeat himself and repeated himself quite a bit, uh, and, and even like page after page. So he would say one thing and then the very next page would, would repeat that. And, and I, I just kept thinking, you know, this, he could have used an editor that would have really helped this this book so that's really my only my only criticism uh i thought for a while i would be critical of the fact that he took so many liberties in the story and maybe it was more historical fiction but uh, having finished the book i i think those elements helped sear this story into my mind more than had it just been more of a retelling of the facts so if you're interested in the civil war this is a this is an incredible story. It, it's neat to read it in context of, of everything else that was going on at the time. And the author does a great job of, of that. Uh, you learn a lot about the uh, uh, grant in this book of Nathan Bedford Forrest, uh, of the different battles in this particular area of, of, the, of the United States. And it, it's, a, it's, a really, it's a really neat look. You see this family, you see uh, the larger scale of everything, and... It, it, yeah, just a fascinating way to, to consider the war. So if, if you're interested in the Civil War, uh, you would really enjoy this book. If you're interested just in learning more of what would the Southern mentality have been like during the war, uh, this, this is probably a good place to start. Uh, first thing to note is it's much more nuanced than, than you're likely to hear. Uh, and, and so this is a good place to start with that. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I would love to hear from you if you've read this book, or uh, and especially if you've gotten other things out of the book. You can follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter at Books of Titans. You can also go to the website. I have a lot of uh, information. I do reviews of each book and just have different uh, blog posts and, and ways on, on, on that you can increase your reading and create a reading plan of your own. So I'll be back in a couple weeks to talk about another book from this year's reading list. Until then, keep listening, keep reading, and keep thinking. I'm out.